0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to
1: 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
2: Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World
3: It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter.
2: Hi there, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today once again is my friend and co-host, Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great today, Jim. I just learned a new word from you that I'm so excited to share.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Plinky, plunky.
2: Plinky, plunky music.
0: That's, that's right. That's, that's right. That's- <laughs>
2: That's kind of that uh, that kind of spiritual kind of, uh, uh, you know, spa-like music, plinky plunky music.
0: I love words that have onomatopoeia. They sound like what they are, and I think that that's just <laughs> such a joyful word. So thank you for sharing it with me today, and now I've, I've spread it on to the listeners.
2: <laughs> well, I'm so honored. Uh, I'm so honored to have shared that with you. So I'm wondering, we're talking with Diana Cole today and um, about the spirit, spirit tra- she's a spirit translator. And I just was curious from what you have experienced, how do you talk with spirit?
0: You know, that's a really interesting question. And I don't know that it's always the same, but what I have learned is that it most often requires me to get quiet. Now, I'm someone who is really you know, my my mind goes a, m- a million miles a minute, right? It's always, always churning. and And I know that when I'm in that state or when I'm busy or when I'm trying to produce or when I'm trying to be creative, often that's a blocker for me from hearing divine voice, right? So what I've got to do is get quiet, get silent. And so most of the time when I want to talk to spirit, I go driving.
2: Oh, really? That's interesting. That seems a little dangerous to me.
0: It does, doesn't it? I, I don't know. Maybe it's you don't extra... close your eyes. <laughs> no, maybe it's extra help for the driving. Uh, but I do find, you know, I live in a Jesus beautiful... take the wheel, <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I do find I live in a beautiful, beautiful area, and just being out in creation, out in nature, out among um, the natural world can help. And and my brain just kind of slows down, and then I can have my conversation. Radio off, of course
2: radio no off.
0: no plinky plunky music Jim, when i'm talking to spirit
2: no really that's interesting i actually i often have plinky plunky music on when i'm talking to spirit
0: all right tell me more uh
2: well you know i i i like you have a very busy mind and um so i need to spend a little bit of time meditating and kind of getting into a space but honest, honestly um i i've said this before on the show i i like to write to spirit you know, it's, it's very calming to me. And I, I write my questions, I write my concerns, I write my complaints. And, you know, I basically, in a sense, I feel like I'm having a dialogue. Now, I don't always know. It, it's from my higher self, perhaps, or from another perspective. I don't know. I, I do feel like there's a connection, though, because sometimes I get answers that I don't feel like I would come up with you know,
0: right, right. When you hear the voice, and you're like, wait, I wouldn't have phrased it that way. Right. And that doesn't sound like me,
2: right? Like, like, oh, okay, that's, that's not what I expected. So, you know, I, uh, for me, pen to paper really helps me, me do that. Um, I think that's probably, honestly, my primary way.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the whole thing about spiritual practice is it's really putting us into a state where we're receptive or we're yes. willing to enter into dialogue. I know when I was a kid, like I didn't quite understand prayer. I thought it was, you know, there were these words and I was supposed to say them and I felt awkward about it. And I didn't quite get some of the words and I didn't quite like some of the words that right. were in, were in my, my church's prayer. And I just didn't get it. So I think that that's how I fell in love and became addicted to all these different spiritual practices were as different gates or different doors or different ways to get into that divine connection. And, you know, someday one thing may not work and another thing might. So being able to have a toolbox full of stuff, uh, I think is helpful.
2: I think that's very true. And I have to say, you know, there are days I often you know, choose a card from a deck that kind of helps me set set my framework uh, for the day and, and receive kind of an internal message perhaps. And there are times when it's just about meditation and kind of listening for that quiet voice. Um, so yes, you're right. A toolbox is so important to have. It ha- can't be just one mode perhaps, uh, but having a, a plethora of them is very conducive to a peaceful existence, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that many of us were raised with messages about what was appropriate to talk to spirit or talk to God or talk to whoever it is right. or whatever it is that we're talking to. Right. And I have found that I can really push that. I I am spicy in my language, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I really think like spirit. Here, here is all of me. This, this is it. This is all of me. I don't need to be. Uh, you know it's kind of the one conversation where I don't have to filter myself
2: totally yeah I get that it's not uh, we don't have that concept of you know fearing what God's gonna think of us you know it's like the universe is there and knows us you know and so it's not so much you know we're looking we're getting judgment we're actually seeking and connecting yeah and I think that's an important difference
0: Yeah, to be seen in our wholeness to be seen as this this is this is everything this is this is how i feel this is what's going through my mind it may not be perfect right now it may not even be kind right now i might be upset i might have something going on that i need some help with and so laying it all out there you know having the freedom to be able to lay it all out and know that you are unconditionally loved or supported or you know whatever terminology you have around that i think that's an important piece too but so, you know, we have to learn this. I don't know that we're all taught this. So I think that um, the book we're going to be talking about today, and some of the authors that we speak with on this show, give us each a view or a perspective of a way to to start that conversation and to keep that conversation going.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Do you have a quote for me today?
0: I do, and this is based on the fact that I spent an hour and a half being not so nice to the guy at the cable company this morning. <laughs> I just need to tell on myself. So here is my quote. It is far too easy to discourage, all too easy to criticize, to complain, to rebuke. Let us try instead to see even a small amount of good in a person and concentrate on that. Let us be quicker to praise than to find fault. Let us be quicker to thank others than to complain.
2: Oh, that's good.
0: That's Desmond
2: Tutu. Oh wow. That's awesome. I I love that. That's really that's really great and something to always remember as we're working with people. I had uh, an experience the other day um that I I used I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham Hicks. Uh Sure. Yep. Yeah. So the the path of pivoting, you know, pivoting uh and I really use I've been using that more and more, you know, pivot to something better, pivot to something good pivot to thinking about differently. And that really helped me the other day to, to pivot to a more positive perspective on what I was going through. So I think that's very valuable. All right, I've got a quote for you. I've got two, if I can do two again.
0: Oh, Mike, we're, ha- we're gonna start having quote wars just for our entire opening, but go for it.
2: Okay, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine.
0: Oh, I like that.
2: Andy Who, Murray. He's a tennis player.
0: I was going to say, who's Andy Murray?
2: Andy Murray is a, te- a tennis, tennis player. player. I opposed, love it. As opposed to Anne Murray, the uh, the singer.
0: Dancer? Singer?
2: Wasn't she a singer?
0: I am really not good on my Murrays. <laughs> bill murray i know bill murray Bill
2: Murray is definitely that golfer
0: (laughs) guy who's got that thing going with that adorable little fuzzy creature under the earth i know him
2: yes (laughs) all right all right
0: how about the second one
2: when you hit a groove it's not you it's the spirit world the spirits whisper the ideas in your brain and prod you along they're the ones that are really happy
0: oh i want to just go now who's that
2: tommy chong from Chief well, and Chong. there
0: you go, and I was picking up seventies <laughs> off of that. So.
2: <laughs> you definitely got the vibe. You definitely so got the vibe. So we have Bill
0: Murray, Desmond Tutu, um, Andy Murray, Andy. Mur- we we have quite the plethora of ways to talk to spirit today, don't we?
2: We do. And with that, should we jump into our show?
0: Let's do it.
2: Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment.
1: This is Martha Creek, marthacreek.com to contact me. This is offered inspired by A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, Discovering Our Life's Purpose. If peace is really what you want, then you will choose peace. If peace mattered to you more than anything else, And if you truly knew yourself to be spirit, rather than this little me, you would remain less reactive. Absolutely alert when confronted with challenging times, challenging people, or circumstances. You would immediately accept the situation as it is. And then become one with it rather than try, attempt to separate yourself from it. So can it be that simple? If peace is what I really want, then I am going to choose peace. So in this situation, I am choosing peace. Traffic doesn't flow. I choose peace. They didn't invite me to their party. I'm choosing peace. They talked about me, gossiped about me. Like So be it. I am choosing peace in this very situation, in this very challenge. Yes, it was hurtful. Yes, I'm upset. Yes, I felt left out. Yes, I felt not good enough. Nevertheless, I am choosing peace in this situation. I am going to stay more objective about this to see how normal this is, to see how their responses and their actions are based on their own belief systems their own state of their own mind, so I'm not going to subject myself to it. So then I can practice then staying in the higher room of my own mind instead of regressing into my little afraid, pitiful, pathetic, afraid, mad self, egoic self, without trying to make myself like the situation, I don't have to like it. I don't have to love it. And my power lies, and friends, your power lies in you accepting the situation as it is and then choosing what your own sane, sensible action will look like. Liberation, freedom, and a life with purpose. Changing the world one thought at a time, one action at a time, living your own purpose for life. Richest blessings and love, friends. Contact me, marthacreek.com, for classes, for support, for videos, any way in the world that you can be supported.
2: And now it's time to jump into our interview. Diana Cole is a spirit translator, thought leader, and author. Passionate about spirit guidance, she's committed to teaching people how to access it for themselves so that they may find freedom from pain and limitation and live a a life of abundance, fun, and inspiration. Diana offers her empowering tools for spirit guidance in group settings, speaking engagements, live workshops, and through her vibrant Instagram and Facebook communities. She's the author of Spirit Translator, Seven Truths for Creating Well-Being and Connecting with Spirit, and co-author of Pillars of Success with Jack Canfield. Diana's first children's book is Alina. Is it Alina? Alina. Alina, the Positive Thought Warrior. You can learn more about Diana at dianacole.com. Welcome to Big Universe, Diana.
3: Hi, thank you for having me here.
2: We are so excited to have you on. I very much enjoyed your show, your book. I saw saw your show and read your book. I read your book, um, obviously, and we wanted to have you on because there's some really exciting and, uh, and interesting stuff in there that we wanted to get in there with you. Um, you. My first question is how do you define spirit in, in your, in your essence and your communication? How do you define spirit?
3: I define spirit as every, all the invisible energy around us. Some people call it God, some people call it heaven, Um, spirit, whatever word we have For it, it's all the same energy. So it's really just, you know, where we go when we're not here, where we come from, and what exists that we can't see.
2: And why did you decide to write the book?
3: Well, you know, I'd gone through some really hard, you know, moments in my life, and I had to figure out how to pull myself out of them. And the only way I was able to was by, you know, practicing the things I had learned as a child and um you your know, dad uh, was
2: your dad was very spiritual
3: yeah yeah so my dad was uh, you know a pioneer in the new age movement here in the san francisco bay area, area where i live um in the you know late 60s early 70s and i was being taught by him my entire life sometimes I, I was aware i was being taught and sometimes it was just being around him you know his life was like a teaching in some ways and I was around people who were leaders at the time and who we know of now as, as being leaders and, and, you know, authors whose books we've read and programs we've all heard of. And I, I was absorbing it all as a child and just sort of not thinking much of it until my life crumbled. And then I realized the only thing I really knew how to do was go back to those lessons I had learned. And when it worked for me, my commitment to myself was if it works, I will show other people how to do this. And and that's really why I wrote the book. I want to help other people pull themselves out of these dips in life.
2: Well, absolutely. And thanks so much for that. Um, you know, uh, you've been through some several challenges in your life that you write about in the book, and um, you've found your way to this, this sense of spirituality, or you got taught that as a, as a young child. And um, it's really appreciated that you've been able to bring that forward to people, Uh, beyond, beyond yourself. Um, So you lived the Hollywood lifestyle, according to your book, you know, you were at the William Morris agency, you worked for fashion designers and billionaires, and you're a VP for investor relations and uh, at a hedge fund. Mm -hmm. And then all of that changed. What happened? And and what, what made you leave that, uh, that life behind?
3: Well, you know, I think that initially, you know, in my early twenties, I just wanted to go and, you know, experience the world and be where the fun was and the action. And, you know, I just wanted to experience and, um, you know, being in a place like Los Angeles, which I love and being around people who were creators and who were successful and who were um, inspiring was really fun. What I learned for myself was that it wasn't feeding me
1: to mm-hmm. be around
3: that. And, and it was actually a little draining so i decided to change course after my back injury that's really what what um facilitated the change is that I, I injured my back and i couldn't find any way to get out of pain so i created an exercise method basically to get myself out of pain i had taught exercise classes all you know growing up just sort of on the side and decided that i needed to take matters in my own hands and that was really my first crack at, you know, trying to help people heal from, from an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, and it was important because I made the connection that physical pain and emotional pain are very, are very interrelated.
0: You have a, a uh, kind of an interesting uh, statement that you say, which is no pain equals no pain. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. You know, when I, owned exercise studios. Um, after I, I moved back to the Bay Area from my fabulous Los Angeles lifestyle, <laughs> I opened exercise studios and taught my method. And I was noticing that the people who were visiting my my studios and who were sort of taunting that, you know, no, no pain, no gain, ta- you know, mantra were the ones who were in pain. And my goal was to help people get out of pain or show people how to get strong so they wouldn't be in pain, right? So I started telling those people, no, it's actually no pain equals no pain. And what I mean by that is that like energies attach to like energies. And when you are in a pain cycle, it it continues to churn so that more pain is attracted to you, right? So when you decide to live a life that's pain free, you actually stop meeting with pain as often, both physically and emotionally.
2: Interesting, interesting. Now, to, continuing your story a little bit, um, you started these exercise facilities and then things kind of got a little crazy again. Yeah, um, you,
3: yeah. The first thing that happened is I I got divorced. So I yeah. was a single mother, which was very tough.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: and, you know, I, I think that a lot of us tend to downplay just, you know, the awfulness that goes with being divorced. You know, getting divorced, This the whole the whole thing that goes with it is very painful for very all of
2: painful, us. yes. Yeah,
3: And we sort of all go, oh yeah, we've been divorced and move on. But it's, it's a very painful thing to go through. So that was the, f- the first sort of thing that happened after my back injury. And then owning businesses as a single mother in a very competitive, you know, um, location, I guess, and a competitive business, I started experiencing just awful you know, drama and gossip and backstabbing and bullying, I think. And it just, that was the final, you know, thing for me. That was the thing that brought me to my lowest low. It's just watching people be so unkind to each other, you know, and to themselves. And, and it just was the final blow. I just, I, I didn't know how to pull myself out of that.
2: And so is that when you reached out again to your, the teachings from the past, your dad and and spirit and, in and, and that?
3: Yeah, well, at that point, you know, my father was still alive. And, you know, I would go to him for help all the time, right? Like, you know, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And he would say, you need to find that out for yourself. You need to go inward. You need to Don't you hate
2: that. when people say that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dads. Just give me the answer.
3: Yeah. I'm like, can you just write me a check? No. <laughs> 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 no, so he said, you know, you just need to, you need to find these answers for yourself. This is a pivotal time in your life. And you need, I can't give you the answers. You, only you have the answers. And, you know, at the time I thought that wasn't very helpful, but it actually was very helpful because he was right. There was nothing he could have said or anybody could have told me from the outside to make me feel really any better, you know? And I, I used what he taught me and all my life changed miraculously and quickly.
2: Isn't it amazing how, as we get older, our parents um, get smarter. It seems, yeah. you know, we, we have this perception, you don't know what I'm going through. And then when you get older, it's like, oh, maybe, you, maybe you do. Maybe you do.
3: Yeah. Things so, seem very, very dire to us in bad moments, right? And the people on the outside can sort of look at you and think, oh, this will pass. But you don't feel that way.
2: Yes, definitely. So what's your understanding of how we reach spirit? Um, Why, why even would they be it universe? Why would there be interest in us?
3: Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, we, we meet um, with spirit, we communicate with spirit and met through meditation. Um, And it can be stillness, it can be just quieting our minds. You know, we were talking beforehand that the creative process, in a way, is channeling of that spiritual energy. So when you're in a place of stillness and calm, you can channel that. It doesn't have to be through meditation, but that's the most effective way to get there. And you know what I understand is that um, you know we're really supposed to be guided this isn't supposed to be such a painful experience down here, or, or, you know, we say down here, but where we are, you know, the life experience is not supposed to be painful. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an adventure of learning. And because it's become so painful for so many of us, um, I think that a lot of us are getting more and more messages or clearer and clearer communication because we are supposed to be guided and we're supposed to feel safe and loved and protected. And I don't think most of us do.
0: And I think one of the things that that I hear from people is they have a desire, a desire to do so. They understand the benefits of doing so, but they feel blocked in some ways. Can you talk a little bit about what blocks us from this connection or from this conversation?
3: Yes. I would say the first thing is just not knowing how to do it because you didn't learn it as a child, right? And who does? Most of us don't, you know, and that's, that's number one is just learning it so that you know it's possible. But the most important thing really even after that would be doubt. You know, doubt is a barrier to really everything, right? My dad used to say to me, self doubt blocks manifestation of anything. If you doubt anything at all, it cannot be, right? So if I doubt that there is a way to communicate with something I can't see in front of my face with my own two eyes, I will not be able to. That, that, that doubt is a, is a barrier or a wall.
2: How do you know the, what you're getting from spirit and what you're you know, making up in your own mind? Or is there, is there a difference? I mean, some people say imagination is connecting in some ways. How do you d- interpret that?
3: Yeah, I like what you said, because I, I teach my daughter that imagination is memory.
2: Oh, right? interesting.
3: So we don't know really what we're imagining sometimes. It doesn't seem reasonable, but maybe it's memory. Um, so for me, I feel like, um, part of it is trust, you know, when you're communicating, knowing that it's not coming from your own, from your own imagination, as you put it. But here's the thing when, for me, when I am in, you know, my, my space of connection and I'm writing and then I read it back over, I know it didn't come out of my reasonable mind. I didn't yeah. learn It's not something I would have said to somebody. It's not even the same voice. It's not something that I know logically, you know, and, but the words come out and the, the teachings come out. And I, 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 in that moment have this sense of knowing that it's not coming from me. And, you know, I think that that's my gift is that I have that sense of knowing. And the only reason I have that gift is because I learned it when I was four, when, when doubt wasn't even a possibility, because when you're a child, everything is possible, right? So I was able to drop the doubt at such a young age that I just never, I don't have it. And, and just that feeling of knowing, um, I think strengthens my connection.
2: All right. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
3: We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter.
2: Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Now, there are so many things we can talk with you about, Diana, that, and I want to get to. But one of the things that really struck me was writing a love letter to yourself and, and the process of that, you know, starting with your pain story. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that because that feels very powerful to me. I I have to confess that I haven't, I've started the process from from the book. I haven't completed it yet, but I can see how powerful that can be. Can you talk a little bit? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, You know, one of the most important things that we can do here for ourselves is adopt kindness and kindness needs to start with us, right? So I will say self-talk is prayer. What you say to yourself is what your world becomes. It's the way you talk to other people. It's the way you think about other people. It's the way you look at your experiences. And that needs to start with love for yourself, forgiveness for yourself, and kindness for yourself. And the way that I was taught to sort of deepen love for myself, because this is something, again, we're not really learning about right? We're, we grew up in social circles where you don't want to brag. You know, you don't want to, you want to be humble and tell people that you're ugly or fat or whatever. Right. And what happens is that all perpetuates throughout your lifetime. It starts in childhood and it perpetuates and all of a sudden you become this adult who doesn't ever look at yourself in the mirror and think I'm beautiful. Right. Yeah. And and how many times have you looked in the mirror and thought I'm amazing. I'm beautiful. I'm talented. Right. And because we don't talk to ourselves that way, we don't have this love for ourselves that I think breeds a real genuine kindness that will change our experiences and in turn the experience that we're having here, right? So writing a love letter to yourself is about knowing that you're learning. You have learned a lot, no matter what age you are, from the time you got here to the age you are today, you've learned. And... You can forgive yourself for anything that you've done that maybe you're not proud of. And you can move forward with love in your heart and love for yourself. And to me, that's a very important thing to learn and to practice.
2: So some of the steps you talk about are, you know, you write out your pain story. You develop questions. And, and do you look, you look internally for for the help you need to, and ask some questions. Is that right?
3: Yeah. So you start breaking up the pain that you've lived through basically by talking to yourself about it as a spectator, right? Uh So you're not inside your pain thinking, you know, this was awful and uh, it was a horrible experience and you don't put yourself back into the pain to feel the pain. You pull yourself out of it as a spectator to see that that pain had a gift in it that you have now received. And that now that you've received that gift, you can go through your life and you can look at every pain story you've lived through. You can look through all of the good things you've gone through and the bad things you've gone through, and you can reflect in a different way so that you can see that this is a learning mission that you've been on and that you're accomplishing and that you're doing a good job here.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the role of the pain that we receive from external messages and how you work through that? I'm aware that a lot of us now uh, have this kind of love-hate relationship with our social media accounts, and how we can receive kindness from them, and we can also get some garbage. A lot that, of
2: negativity. A lot yeah. of
0: stuff that comes through there. So, you know, a lot of the writing that we're doing are these kind of short little snippets. Not, not you know, what what is the role of how do you work through when you're doing this love letter, those messages that you've received uh, in those ways.
3: Well, you know, the first thing is to know you can't control what anybody else says or does. You can only control how you feel about it. And then you can get yourself to a better place about it by how you talk to yourself about it. You can cure your pain by talking through it in a way that's kind. So if if you feel like you're meeting with pain when you're on your social media feed, then you shouldn't go on your social media feed. You should avoid it. No pain equals no pain, right? So if you're feeling any sort of pain or resistance in... You know, watching reality TV or being on your social media feed or being a part of a certain friend group or whatever it is that is bringing you pain, the first thing is turn off the noise, you know, get away from it. The second thing is talk to yourself about the pain so that you can dissolve it for yourself. So if you've got, you know, you have received a comment that was really horrible, you know, for you and you feel really awful about it, it's to look at that pain and dissolve it by talking to yourself about it. It's about self talk kind self-talk. That person doesn't know me. That person's going through their own pain story. I need to send love to that person. That person doesn't know that I actually have really good intentions and, and care about how he or she feels. And you talk to yourself about it so that you feel you break it up in your own body and you feel like you can move forward knowing that whatever someone says to you doesn't have to penetrate who you are.
2: want to make sure that we get into the the six steps of talking with spirit I know some people are familiar with various ways but I like what you say you know you, you you basically sit in a comfortable chair with some writing materials now does it matter if it's if it's on a computer or if it's on pen to paper or does that make a difference
3: it doesn't it's whatever you're more comfortable with I I move back and forth from one or the other I I um I've learned, I learned on pen and paper, so I feel more comfortable with that in some ways, but then when I really get on a roll and it starts coming fast, I can't write fast enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So So true.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, um, so for me, I I moved to a computer just because I needed to go fast, right? Because there was too much coming and I was losing it. And I also just didn't want to retype everything I was handwriting is where it it went to for me. Um, but really it's about, I think starting with pen and paper is nice because if it's something you're not used to doing, it feels really tangible. It feels like something that is here for you. It's, you can feel the paper, you can feel the pen, it feels more intimate in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suggest that somebody who starts this for the first time use pen and paper.
2: Yeah, I, my experience is that uh, you know I actually, sometimes I do write faster when I'm on the computer, obviously, and I, I do receive the, uh, the experience but I don't know what to do with those files. You know, I don't know where to put them. I'm not organized enough. So they go all over the place and I can't find them. When I, when I use a a journal or something like that, you know, they're right there for me, you know, and I can, I can reflect on them.
3: I think that there are a lot of people who tell, report to me that they like, you know, creating journals and sort of having volumes of journals that they can like track year to year or month to month. Like, you know, this is my 2021 journal everything I was thinking or my and and that way you can go back and you can see what you were writing about you know a year or two earlier and see how it all how it all you know plays in with each other I I have my dad's writings from the 1960s all of his was cataloged every year and I I have it all and it's interesting sometimes I reference I go back to it and read it and it's 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 crazy how some of the stuff we're talking about now is written like then, you know, by him. So it, wow. it's kind of fun to go back and be able to read this stuff.
2: That is interesting. That's very interesting. Well, I can only imagine what everybody's journals for 2020 will be. That was that will be a very interesting set of journals to for some sociological uh, uh, research. I think.
3: Yeah. So, well, you know, I think that we're all being brought to this place of pain on purpose. Yeah so that we can use our pain as a springboard and we can actually elevate to a place we haven't been before. So this is actually this pain that we're going through is actually a gift. And I know it's hard to see it that way for a lot of us but you know there've been some people who've experienced a lot more pain than you know I have and you know maybe you have but it, it you know as the to- for the total collective consciousness and energy I really think that it's it's beneficial to all of us here.
2: and and almost it has to to mean something it has to move beyond beyond the the here and now you know and it has to be for a a greater good i think in in some regard even if it that's difficult to to experience right now you know so i i totally see what you're saying there um is there so you get into a relaxed state you contemplate do you contemplate a specific issue or challenge as you as you go into this, or or do you come up with a clear question? What what is the the path for for doing that at this point?
3: Well, I suggest that um, you know you go through some questions sort of beforehand, so you sort of know what you're going to ask and what the energy of the ask is, right? So it's not about you know asking you know am I going to get a new boyfriend this year, right? Because those sorts of answers you can get but it's hard as a beginner to get those sorts of answers and have them really make sense really you need to get into the energy of the communication so the energy of the ask and how you ask it and what you need to know um plays a huge role in how you go about your question and answers right so i have this whole process for you know going into a meditation to meet your spirit guide, and asking your spirit guide the questions and, and getting the answers. So for me, I, I was taught that my spirit guide is the gatekeeper to um, sort of getting the answers from, from um, this realm of wisdom or you know infinite wisdom or infinite intelligence. And that that was a way that it could be translated to me was through my spirit guide. So I talk people through a meditation and help them get into this place where they can get to know their spirit guide. Um, so that they then can, you know, go and ask their questions and get answers back and access that energy.
2: Do you think, do each of us have our own spirit guide or is that, um, is that just kind of a general thing?
3: Yeah, we each have our own spirit guide. There's only one. And it's somebody that, not somebody, but, you know, an energy that, um, you have assigned to guide you and help you while you're here. Um, we all have a unique spirit guide. They're not, you know, you don't have a spirit guide that's also like, you know, guiding 10 other people or 50 other people or whatever. So he's not
2: busy with Sarah while I'm trying to get something taken care of. Is that right?
3: Right, right. that's a very human way of looking at it, but I get that question a lot. Yeah. Only the, the way that I like to explain how I understand it is, you know, I have a, um, I have a cousin who has been in AA since she was in, you know, high school or college, and she had a sponsor, you know, the same sponsor who was there from the beginning, who she calls anytime she has a problem. For a while there, it was every day. Sometimes, you know, it might still be every day. I don't know, but it's somebody who's really there for her, who really has her best interests, um, you know, who's really looking out from her in a way that I feel like most people don't look out for each other here, Right. And that sort of relationship is the closest humanness I can put on what a spirit guide is supposed to do for you. It's supposed to be your sponsor in a way, right? It's supposed to be um, a a guide, like a a place where you can get answers, where you can be guided, where you can, you know, if you're looking at two sorts of decisions to make, you feel like you're making the right one because you're getting sort of this divine nudging, right? Um, So that's that's how I understand it to be.
2: And, and so these divine the divine energy goes through the spirit guide to help guide you is that right? Am I understanding Yeah, so, that?
3: yeah I mean so or, my understanding is that there's just like many layers. okay <laughs> we're getting kind of deep but there's many layers of, of um, existence right mm-hmm. um, And your spirit guide is closest to you mm-hmm. on this you know layered existence okay. um, and the, the, the answers you're looking for, usually come from sort of a higher level wisdom or the highest level, which we would call maybe God, right? Mm -hmm. Like like conversations with God, Mm -hmm. the same sort of idea. I've learned to call that God present spirit, but it's the same thing. It's how do you get those answers? How do you feel worthy enough to have a conversation with God or with spirit? right? Mm -hmm. And some don't. Some people don't feel worthy enough to have that conversation. That's another block. But an easy way to get to sort of get rid of that block or that hurdle is to talk to your spirit guide and get the answers.
0: Let Mm. them answers for you.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: So I have a weird follow-up, Jim. Go for it. Because I'm a (laughs) 12-stepper. So, And I love this idea of the correlation between the guide and the sponsor. And at the same time, I've had a couple sponsors who I've had to move on from based on the things that have happened in their own lives. So, so I'm wondering, based on this analogy, Diana, do you have the same guide your entire life or do they switch out sometimes?
3: No, you have the same one your entire life. Um, And you know, it would be nice if you had the same sponsor your entire life, right? That probably would have been your, your greatest wish for yourself, Um, And unfortunately, because we live in a human world and we can't rely on other humans, even in our own family, sometimes to give us the answers we need, because they just don't know that the answers, that's why we need, that's why it's so important to have this connection with, you know, invisible guidance with, you know, your spirit guide, because we need to, in a sense, become our own therapist. And really it's, it's hard to understand how to do that unless you feel like you have this place where you can go, where the answers you're getting are actually for the, your best intention and everybody else's right. So I think that that was the closest analogy I could make to a human experience is, is using, you know,
0: it's a great distinction. Yeah. It's a great (laughs) distinction, Diana.
2: Well, all I know is that my guide is totally into the geeky stuff that I'm into, you know, he likes Star Wars and Star Trek, as I mentioned to Diana before the show. So, you know, I'm cool with that.
3: (laughs) That's great. That makes it so fun.
2: (laughs) So when you're, when you're sitting down and looking up, you you put a question out and you write a letter A for the answer, Mm -hmm. how does the process go from there? What, what do you what do you do? What what do you don't do?
3: Yeah. Well, you just whatever you feel or hear or see, you write. Because we all get the information a little differently, right? So I get it in two ways. I get it through a thought blocks, but also through a, a hearing mechanism. Some people get a feeling, some people hear, you know, some people um, just feel like they'll tell me, I just feel like I know the answer. I just have to write it, right? Um, So whatever comes to you without judgment, you just write, just write the answer that comes and don't think about it. Just go, you know, and I also suggest not reading the answer. Every time you ask one, don't ask a question and then get an answer and read it and then go again. Just keep going. Just keep asking, keep writing, keep asking, keep writing. And then you read it all at the end because some of the times, you know, for me, at least I don't remember what I wrote until I go back and read it.
2: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So the book is seven truths. There are seven truths. And, um, I thought we might touch on some of those. I don't think we're going to have time for all of them, obviously, but, uh, seven truths to creating well-being and uh, connecting with spirit. And, and the first is, you know, familiar to a lot of our, our audience, of course, is thought is the action that creates your life. Um, what do you, what do you mean by that?
3: Yeah. Um, that we are all creating our existences here at every every moment that we're here. So we are creating our lives right now and we're either creating what we want or what we don't want based on how we are thinking about ourselves, other people, our experience, the world around us. So in order to create the life you wanna create, you have to start thinking in the way that you're living in the life that you wanna create. So if I'm noticing everything that's going wrong in my day, I'm creating more of that. Like attaches to like, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go along with my day and I'm, you know, like mad at every driver on the road and I had a bad day and I'm late to something and I'm thinking about these things, right? I'm creating a life of these things. I'm creating this sort of um, negativity and, and not the life I want to be drawn toward me. But I can have the same experiences as the person who I just said is looking at everything that's not working and I can look at it completely differently, right? Mm-hmm. And I can be looking at it in a way that is creating what I want, right? So I can look at it like, I'm really happy I get to drive from one place to another. You know, I'm really happy that even though I was late, I got there, you know, and it was fine. I'm really glad that, right? So it's just reframing the conversation so that what you're pulling towards you is, are, I like this, I'm having fun here, I'm enjoying this. This is amazing. I'm grateful for this. And you bring more of
0: that energy towards you.
2: Now, Sarah said something. You, you talk about spirit, spirit is always uh, speaking to you all the time. That's, yeah, that's the and, one
0: I really was struck by.
2: Yeah. And Sarah said something disturbing to me in the first. Oh, no. What you know, did I say? She said that Jim? spirit often spoke to her while she was driving. And I'm a little concerned about the driving there.
0: <laughs> spirit always talks to me when I'm driving, driving meditation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but talk talk about spirit is speaking to you always. What, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, you know, we're always getting sort of these inspirations and these ideas and these nudges and these crazy things that come into our mind, right? It happens for me when I'm driving all the time, in the shower, you know, listening, watching TV. Like I, I try to always have a pad of paper with me and a pen. Like I have one here right now, even though I'm talking to you because things will come to me just randomly, I'm like, I just, I have to write this down, right? Or I'll have a question and then I'll forget about it. And sort of miraculously, the answer comes in the form of somebody else saying the answer. And I'm like, oh, well, that kind of made sense for what I was thinking about before, right? Or how many times have you thought about a friend and then they called? And you're like, wow, that's a coincidence, right? So what I'm suggesting is that coincidences and inspiration and creative sparks our communication. It's, it's not a coincidence. It's not like, oh, isn't that weird? It's communication. It's not trying to nudge us and help us and push us in the direction that we should go into for our own good and for everybody else's.
2: One of the things that I love, oh, Sarah, you're about to say something. I was
0: going to say, this is why God invented post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: one of the things I've Not
3: that inspiration, right? That's right. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely.
2: Do you use post-it notes in the car, Sarah? I don't want to know. I do. No. My have dashboard's know. covered. I don't want to know.
0: <laughs> I pull over like sometimes, that. Jim. I pull over. I'm I record that I stick over. it on the dashboard. <laughs> I'm
2: glad you pull over. So what one of the ones I love the most, I think, is kindness is your God power. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah. You know, I I think the best way to explain that is to start with sort of the ending. Imagine if for 30 minutes, every single person on the planet felt kindness toward themselves and everybody else. Imagine what that would feel like. It would feel different for all of us, right? Because the act of being kind toward another person and toward yourself elevates your vibration, right? So it's this thing about kindness that gets you closer to almost like spirit, um, knowledge and love, right? As, As the kindness that wells up in you actually feeds you and it feeds everybody else. The thing is, the kindness has to come from a place of, you know, authenticity. So if you actually feel kindness towards yourself and you actually feel kindness toward other people, then It elevates you and it elevates them, even though they don't know it necessarily. So I, I think that it's really, really important, you know, to teach kindness more than we do. And, and because we're all connected, which is another truth, because we're all connected. um, If you speak or unkindly to another person, or you are unkind to another person, you're in a sense harming yourself because you're connected to that person right we're all connected we're all the same energy so collectively it's really important to have kindness for this collective energy
2: and talk about feelings your feelings are your compass is a- another one of the things how can you know that you can trust your feelings because they can be all over the place sometimes what do you mean by by that
3: well yeah and you know it's about learning a process to actually get in touch with how you genuinely feel and that's really important too because you know i was guilty of this just sort of pushing my feelings down and moving forward with a smile on my face right that's what we're taught to do like oh don't be upset just you know you're fine get up right but the thing is when we honor our feelings it's it's important because then we know where we are it's our guide it's our compass you know i learned that spirit speaks in the form of emotion right so it's really important if you want to feel better, you got to know how you feel now, right? You know, have to know where you start so that you can get to a better place. If you keep telling yourself you feel good, even when you don't, you're never going to feel good. There's not your, what changes are you going to make to feel better, right? Because I believe that through all these conversations we have, the one you, that we're all having right now, the ones that you probably have every day, the ones I have every day, all we want is to feel better and be happy. That's all we want doesn't matter like I just want to feel good I just want to be happy right how can you feel good and be happy if you don't even honor the fact that you that you feel a certain way right now that isn't there
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah well I hate to wind things up but as we wind things up I do we just have a couple minutes I wanted to ask you if there's one piece of advice or a tool or something that you'd like to give our listeners to to come away with what, yeah. what would that be
3: I would say Make it a practice to give yourself three to five minutes of complete quiet and stillness every day. It doesn't have to be a meditation. It doesn't have to be something. It shouldn't be something you listen to. It needs to be complete quiet and stillness. No to-do list. no worry, no thinking, just two to three minutes. And it, it, it helps feed you. The energetic force around us feeds you energetically.
0: Oh, I'm in. I'll see you all in five minutes.
2: (laughs) Wait, we have to finish the podcast first.
0: Oh, wait. Okay. All right. Well, after. No, I think you were so right,
2: Diana. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for coming on Big Universe. It's been wonderful having you.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate you having me here.
2: For more information about Diana Cole, please go to dianacole.com. Check out our book, Spirit Translator, Seven Truths for Creating Well-Being and Connecting with Spirit many books. You go ahead and check those out on dianacole.com. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses, and I help people create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk to you the next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
1: Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.